Welcome to the Outer Realm with Michelle DeRoche and Amelia Passano. Airing live on the United Public Radio Network, 105.3 FM in New Orleans. Happy winter solstice to everyone out there. Uh, welcome to the Outer Realm. We are re basically recording at the moment um, with Mark Ollie. So we're just waiting for him to come on board. But we are definitely broadcasting and we'll be broadcasting live this evening on the United Public Radio Network, UFO Paranormal Radio Network, 105.3 FM and 107.7 FM from the beautiful city of New Orleans. We are fully sponsored by the amazing people over at Folgers Coffee who have been a part of our journey since the very beginning. So thank you, Folgers. We appreciate you so very much. We just could not do it without you. Also, big thank you to Justin Snicker, Dr. Snick, the sonic surgeon, for his contribution of his time, his voice, his music, for our intro and our outro. Uh, Justin is an award-winning composer of Halloween, horror, sci-fi, and dark wave electronic music, and it can be found anywhere that good music can be found, primarily Bandcamp, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, you name it, it's there. Also, big thank you for our artwork behind the Outer Realm is Steve McGinnis. Uh, he's got a lot of great commission pieces. He has a lot of pieces ready to go, uh, concentrates a lot with different horror genres, just amazing, amazing artwork. Check him out on Instagram and on Facebook. Again, Steve McGinnis, thank you. So tonight, um, we are welcoming Mark Ollie. He's been on the show before and he will be on the show several more times because he is a wealth of information. Uh, tonight, we are discussing mysteries of the Bible, da Vinci, all kinds of stuff. It always goes in many different directions and always comes back just to more amazing stuff. So we hope you enjoy the show. Uh, please check it out when it airs this evening. So without further ado, let's welcome Mike Arley to the show. Hello. 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 Hopefully everything's working at the moment. great. You should be an old pro at it by now. <laughs> right in here. Well, actually for me, for my 60th birthday, I got a new set of headphones and it's got one of these, um, kind of strange sci-fi mics on it. So it uh, does. Hopefully, it looks like all hopefully things are working like. better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it does. It sounds great. It's got great sounds. So this is like perfect. So I have to say I've been really looking forward to this one. I always look forward to when you come on the show because um it's it's always so informative. And as you can see I am solo. Um Amelia's uh, yep. is, yeah a lot of family things coming up, uh surgeries, things like that. Um anybody who follows her can follow her along and she'll explain everything as I go along. But um I know she's very, you know, regretful that she couldn't yeah. be here. Yeah. But um, you know, we're just sending a lot of a love, light and prayers uh her family's way and uh she'll be back in the new year just for everybody Excellent. here. Yes, yeah, so uh, it's just you and me, kid. <laughs> so. Yeah, just the two of us, just just you and Santa Claus. <laughs> I know. 
Yeah, I just you just wanted to bring me back to see how long, how much longer it had grown. Uh, I was going to say, like, are you moonlighting over there, or what's next? Well, I, I was thinking of joining ZZ Top as a replacement drummer, you know, because oh, it's got that kind of go. look to it. But now it's uh, who knows? Let's see how long it'll last. <laughs> but it's that time hey. of year. I can always I can rent a red suit, you see, and earn some extra. That's money. I was going to say. Are you moonlighting? Yeah, over there? yeah exactly. Makes it a little different, or exactly. <laughs> I love it. Well, hey, it's the winter solstice, so you it know, is nice of the year. It's going to keep yeah. it nice and warm. So yeah. I mean, you're already you're in the UK, so you're you're already slowly getting into that. Yeah, yeah we're freezing to night. death. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, I love yeah, it. Shortest, shortest day of the year, and uh, the last week that we've had, uh, there was a parts of the UK that registered minus twenty six and minus thirty. Uh, we only we only went down to minus eight here, but that was bad enough. <laughs> that's that's still yeah. a lot. That's a lot. Favorite. It's there cold. I know that I, I grew up up north with temperatures exactly like that, and yeah. um, I can do without it. Yeah, so, <laughs> so can we. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> so, anyway, oh, dear. but well, again, officially welcome. Um, Thank you. Today we're talking mysteries of the Bible, Leonardo da Vinci, and yeah. I know we always end up going in like so many different directions. It's just, but I love that about us when we yeah. get going. So where do you want to start with this? Because there's just so much information. And I know you've done this like probably a thousand times before. So I'm just going to let you Well, uh, what I'm doing is I'm, 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 push, I'm pushing two lots of information together, essentially, because you've got yes. one block of information, which is the Knights Templar, which I do quite a lot of talks on. And, and there's, there's, um, there's at least two kind of blocks of information going that way. But right. that feeds directly then into the da vinci right. code because the da vinci code is is all that sort of stuff right. so it just seemed to make sense to push the two together but then yes. also you can't sub uh, attack those two subjects without having the biblical background to that yes. uh, you need some of the basis you know for for which all that was taking place and, and what was happening so I, I don't know i suppose we could jump in with a when did the templars start yeah do, I, do you want a bit of background the topic is near and dear to me, of course. Oh, uh, it's it's yes. a lineage thing. So, you know, but yeah, I, you know, me too. I, it'll be easy for me to keep up because I, I am quite versed in it. So I'm anxious to, to get all that out. So, okay, um, well, we'll, 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 right where we'll, uh, we'll jump in. We'll jump in at the first crusade. That's probably the best place to start. To all, these, all these fabulous orders of knights all heading for Jerusalem, you know, on the first crusade. Uh, right. They're there in the 1090s. They're there for a lot of the 1090s, and they're all falling over each other. Uh, and the first order that you need to pay any attention to, surprise, surprise, already coming in left field, are the Knights Hospitaller, because yes. the Knights Hospitaller come first. Yes. And they basically pack up as knights. They decide they're not going to bother, and they're just going to look after all the people who are injured, because you've got all these Viking mercenaries and noble mm. knights, all these people lying around the place moaning and groaning. So they're they're tending to them and they're dealing with them in the hospital which was founded by the merchants of Amalfi and that's where you get that sort of weird Knights Hospitaller um, eight-pointed white star from because that's actually the trade symbol for the merchants of Amalfi so that's what was stuck on the outside of the hospital in Jerusalem like a sort of a big McDonald's yellow M you know it's kind of yes. huge white star it's wherever you guys. saw that yeah yeah, yeah hospital wherever... sign yeah exactly yeah. you know you were moaning yeah. and groaning with an arrow sticking out your head that's where you went you headed for that right. so they're they're there for quite a while and then there's a mention early on in the 1100s, so you've only gone a little bit of distance time-wise, yeah. there's a mention of these um, 
uh, the Knights of Christ. They get mentioned in early Christian writings, and right. it could be as early as 1112 AD, that kind of period, when mm -hmm. they start to mention these Knights of Christ, the poor Knights of Christ, yes. poor Knights of the Temple of Solomon, Templars. That, that's that's the beginnings. So you've got 1112 is this reference, 1114, then they're really starting to get established. 1118, they are established. You've got all the records and everything then to say that they're up and running. And I think mm. it's 1134 that the Pope sort of, you know, declares a, a thumbs up. But mm. the interesting twist in that is that by the time you get to sort of 1123, the Hospitallers have then started picking the swords back up and becoming military again. So Ooh. the two orders are working side by side. I've got right. this, this this amazing vision. You know, you can imagine that Jerusalem's just full of all these different orders of knights. You've got Teutonics, you've got Knights of Lazarus, you've got Knights of the um, of, of the Holy Sepulchre. All mm -hmm. these all these um, these different orders, they're all meeting in the same pubs. Right. They're all worshiping <laughs> in the same churches. You know, what I mean, they're all sitting yes. next to each other. You can imagine the hospitalers being sat there, you know, chatting away to Hugh de Payons, who founded the Order of Templars, oh, and they're natter yes. nattering away. Yes. You can imagine it, you know, the hospitalers saying, You want to get in into this, you want to have give this a go, set yourself up as an order. You know, it's a really good thing. You can have yeah. property, you can have donations, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And you can see Hugh thinking, Well, yeah, actually, that's a pretty damn good idea. But this is where it gets interesting. There's only nine Templars at the beginning. And they're mm. so poor that they've only got one horse between two of them, which is right. where you get that, you know, two of them sat on one horse, you get that seal from. Mm -hmm. By the time you get into sort of the 1130s and, and the Pope's given them the thumbs up, there's still only nine of them. Mm -hmm. And they've still only got one horse between two of them. So you're thinking, right. well, hang on a minute. They've been there 40 or 50 years. How are they going to protect pilgrims, which is what they're supposed to do? Uh, that are traveling between Jafar and Jerusalem, how are they going to protect pilgrims against tens of thousands of Muslim armies? How are they going to do it? The armies of Islam are vast. So how are these nine guys and a few volunteers and helpers and the rest of it, who incidentally are monks anyway, mm -hmm. how, how are they going to achieve this? <coughs> Excuse me. This is where we get the whole idea that they were there for some other reason. You know, mm -hmm. they're not they're not just there to protect pilgrims. Excuse me a sec. No, that's okay. I'm like, I'm right with you there. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Gosh, you've got to oil the wheels. I've got to say to folks, by the way, if you're listening, I've got a stinking cold. <laughs> so uh, if I break up, please excuse me. Oh, of um, course, of course. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, anyway, basically, this is where the story comes from. So, you know, what the hell were they well, doing Well, it's there? interesting to me because uh, you're looking at nobles, too, who basically gave up wealth, you oh, know, yeah. to come to be part of, of like, this order. Well, and yet I'm, they have, I'm, like, one horse. I'm thinking, where all the money go already? <laughs> well, I'm, I mean, a horse back then is, like, the sort of price of a, a Porsche 911. So, you know, this they're, not, they're not cheap. <laughs> you know, a suit of armor is, like, well, a sword is three years' wages for a peasant. So, goodness, only knows what, what the armor yes. and stuff was. I mean, right. I think... I think Hugh is actually a, an ancestor of um, King Henry the Second. I think he's he's quite a noble guy. You know what I mean? He's high well, he is. He, Yeah, he's got uh, quite a know, lineage. Loads of money, loads of money. But, yeah. but I think the best answer is that they they end up in the the, the stables, um, the uh, Solomon stables, mm -hmm. which is on the side of where the Al Aqsa Mosque is. 
because uh, that's already there. That was built in the 600s. So uh, they assume that that was sat where the temple was. So uh, the stables, Solomon's stables, that's where they end up. And so they're within easy spitting distance, if you like, of, of the temple. Um, I think that they basically started tunneling. They start tunneling towards where they think the temple was. Mm. And somewhere along the line, somewhere in that 50-year period, I think they actually break through into the underworld, if you like, that was below mm -hmm. the Temple of Jerusalem, uh, and they find something. I'm not saying it's the Ark of the Covenant. I'm not saying it's, you know, billions of dollars worth of gold. It's, it's, it's nothing like that, but it's something. <laughs> it's something, yeah. If I was a betting man, if somebody, <laughs> somebody came along and said, what was it? I would say scrolls. I'd say that they've hit something in that temple basement that then gets packaged up, shipped back to Rome, and it's in the Vatican Library. That that's my slant on that. Which right, again, knowledge. now I mean, you know, we're right. into we're into Da Vinci Code territory now. That's right. that's kind of where that ends up. I think that's where that track right. Right. So you. scrolls basically to me <clears throat> says knowledge. Maybe exactly. sacred um, knowledge. Maybe exactly. Rich uh, men, I mean, rich men don't give up their wealth, as Freddie Silva says, to go treasure hunting. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, no, like, but they like can't, when you're talking they're, they're, about Hugh de Payen, for example, not not everybody, like you know. No, but but the tunnel's still there. I mean, if you, if you yes. push the guides a bit, who show you around, yes. they'll they'll show you where the Templar Tunnel is. So yes. clearly, it goes somewhere, and and something something came out at the end of it. So yes. they've got all these, you know, scrolls and whatnot, and they just basically cash them in. So I'm sure at that point, you know, the Vatican was like, yeah, we like this, we like this. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Keep going, fellas. You know, see yeah. what else you can find. Right. Um, and that gives birth then to the whole idea of, of knights questing. So when you get then into the Arthurian legends, you look at Parsifal. Parsifal then says the people who are the guardians of the grail are Templars. You know, that's in the original right. von Eschenbach Parsifal. So that's where that whole thing comes so from. Can I just back up one minute for, just for, yeah, I'm, for people I'm who are going, going, going 100 miles an hour now? Okay, so, we'll yeah. Yeah. When, because when you say that everything was shipped to Rome, now now it sits in the Vatican Library. So basically, that's what I think it is. Yeah. Right. So th this it was very established already, even in that time, being the Church. Yes. The For those who aren't familiar with their with their biblical history. Ah, well, yeah, this is where your biblical history comes in. What you're doing really is you're looking at um, a situation that comes into being. As a result of, if, if you can imagine sort of the Old Testament, so let's say that's part one, mm -hmm. that doesn't actually yeah. officially come to an end until no. you've got Jesus. So that brings you quite neatly past zero into our time period. Right. Hypothetically, he dies around 32, 34, 36 AD. Mm -hmm. So there you go, ba-bum. That, that is there, the end of the Old Testament. Right. Then the Romans decide to come in and start doing some serious ass-kicking down in, in Jerusalem because the, the Jews are revolting, you know, yeah. et cetera. You know, you're into Monty Chaos Python everywhere. territory here. Yeah. Chaos everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and some okay. idiot throws a burning torch on the roof of the temple because Vespasian and Titan, Titus, his son, had given specific instructions not to damage the temple. And one of these flaming torches ends up on the roof of a wooden structure that's full of incense. So this thing goes up like a goodness knows what. So when you have a look at the Arch of Titus on uh, in Rome, when you go and have a look at it, all the stuff that you see the Romans carrying, I don't think they're sacking the temple. I think right. they're just getting the stuff out. Do you know what I mean? They, right, saving, they don't it. Wanna, saving yeah. what they can. 
And, yes. and the only bit on there that we can recognize is the menorah. So they saved the, the lamp right. from the Well, from the Babylonians the would have done more damage. Oh, they, they cleared it out 700 what I mean. years I before that. Yeah. 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 The Ark of the Covenants disappeared yeah. after the treasures are gone. You know, who knows right. what. Right. Uh, but then that starts, if you like, yes. the new period, the next bit, because then you're into the, let's call it the New Testament period. Mm -hmm. So then from that point where the temple's destroyed, everybody, every man and his dog at that point wants a piece of Jerusalem. They're all after a piece of it. Everybody's in there, the Jews, the Islamics, the Turks, the, you know, everybody, the Christians, you name it, they're all in there. They've all got their own churches and offices and pubs where they meet and whatever. They're all, they're all in there uh, together. And then you start getting all of what we now know as the biblical mysteries. So you get, you know, where's Jesus buried? Where's the tomb? Where's the site of the cross? What happened to all the tableware yes. after the last supper? You know, yes. where did the grail go? Um, you know, all that starts coming out. So the Church of the Holy Sepulchre becomes uber important at that point. That really becomes the focus of sacred Jerusalem at that point. Right. Um, and of course, the Islamics then eventually drift towards where the temple used to stand, because that mosque uh, is sat on the rock from which it's said that uh, Muhammad ascended for his that's night right. journey into heaven. Yeah. So that's why the mosque is there. But the interesting thing is, even then, even in the seventh century when they built that, they knew that that particular spot wasn't where the temple was. The, exactly. temple, yeah, the temple was on the bit next door. Right. So <laughs> they already knew that they, were, they weren't going on top of it. They were going next to it. Yes. So join all those kind of dots up. And yes, right. you're, firm, you're firmly in the Da Vinci, da Vinci Code territory. Yes, absolutely. Yes. But it makes entire sense then. It opens this kind of worms that then explains what the Templars were all about. Mm -hmm. um, important to know as well, just to sort of end the story, when the Templars got out there, you've not got to think of these guys as like, you know, six foot six thugs. They're not like that because the Normans, just to function, they had to be able to speak church Latin. Otherwise, they couldn't do any conveyancing. They spoke their own language, which was Norman, which mm -hmm. was a form of Viking-influenced Northern French. Mm -hmm. When they got over here, they had to understand Anglo-Saxon. So they're already bilingual before they even get on the ship to go across to the Middle East. Mm -hmm. When they get to the Middle East, of course, they speak Latin as well. Right. So you, all the Sufis, the Islamics, everybody, they speak Arabic and their languages plus right. plus that's Latin. Latin. That's that's the crossover. So mm -hmm. they start to communicate, and in time, this is where it gets important for the Templars and for people into mysteries. In time, the information exchange is so great that the Knights Templar finish up not being European Catholic Christians anymore. What they end up becoming, two thirds of them convert to Islam, and the oh, third, is, yeah, oh saw yeah, that coming. Certainly not me. <laughs> okay, well, do you know? Do you know how this? Do you know this, this accusation where they say, "Oh, the Templars worship Baphomet." Yeah, it's this weird god that they've come up with with yeah. horns and wings and goat's face and well, boots. Really and an, it's an old pagan god, actually. It's not. It's a mistranslation. Somebody in the 1800s mistranslated a document that says, and the Templars worship, and when you read the word, when you translate it correctly, it says, Muhammad. <laughs> now, it was easier to say, in you know, right. 250 years ago, when they realized it was a mistranslation, it was easier to say it was some kind of satanic god than it was to admit 
that actually they'd converted to Islam. And it's known now, archaeologically, historically, it's known now, right. a lot of them converted to Islam and brought the Islamic faith with them. They actually came across to here to the UK. They brought the architects to build Gothic architecture and things like that. Um, even the Vikings, even the Vikings, a lot of them had converted to Islam. So for that period, it's it's nothing new. It's not unusual. But the other third, this is where it gets even weirder. The other third, because they'd had access to things like the Lost Scrolls, the Dead Sea Scrolls, missing bits of biblical stuff, you know, all the this. Exactly, exactly. They end up becoming... Yeah, they yeah. end up becoming Gnostic Christians. Right. So again, the Templars are not at the end what they were at the beginning. So in the 1100s, fine, they're all, you know, good so Catholic they, they Christians. So they got knowledge and they evolved oh, with that knowledge, essentially is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, they ran with it. By the 1300s, they right. do not look like the same order with the same belief system as they right. had at the beginning. Uh, so much so, in fact, and this is just as a kind of an oh, by the way, the accusations that they leveled at the Templars, which they used at the Templar trial in the 1300s, are word for word the same ones that they used with the witches in the 1650s. So the witch accusations, the, the, the witch trials were based on the documents that they invented, that they used to get rid of the Templars. So it's beginning to tell you now all you need to know about that particular avenue, where that ended up taking them. Right. Um, wow. So basically, if, if you bumped into a Templar, you wow. were talking to somebody who was a, a first, second, third, fourth century Christian, pre-Constantine, pre the foundations of Rome. Yes. Um, yes. So that really, I mean, the boy does that up, up, you know, upturn the apple cart. Like you say, you didn't really see that one coming. Sorry about no, that. No, I have to say it blindsided yeah. me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, there'll be there'll be a few more of those coming as well. I love a lovely bit of trivia for you, okay? We had a king over here called Offa, and yes. he was a Viking, King Offa of Mercia. And he was on the throne in, in the 800s, about 820, 822. Um, and he was trading all over the world and he wanted to look big and impressive. So he minted a coin, a British coin. And on the back of it, in Arabic, it says, there is no God but Allah. Wow. And, and we've got we've got them. You know, they are, it's an archaeological fact. They exist. We have them over here. So Ooh. there you have a British, a wow. British Viking monarch who has just made an enormous nod to Islam. But it's not the same Islam that we're used to, because you've got to remember, Muhammad's only there in the early 600s. Right. So by the time by the time you get to offer, which is the 800s, yes. still, they've still not finished codifying the Quran. They're still right. grabbing note, they're grabbing notes from everywhere and talking to Muhammad's family and his mates. And, you know, what do you remember this, that, the other? So you've kind of got that New Testament process happening all over again right. but, but for Islam. Um, wow. But wow. again, it, again, it's not, it's not really a problem because my, I'm having a what moment. <laughs> well, yeah. Muhammad was trained by Jesuits. He was brought up by Jesuits. Yes. That's where yes. he got his original. So the Catholics thought the idea that it might be a good idea to come up with a faith that would would fit in really well with with the East and the Middle East. Right. So they they trained they trained up Muhammad and his family in in the ways of Catholicism. But it went off on his own. He went off and did his own thing. So right. then you end up with Islam. Uh, which again, it's biblically, it's uh, it's not a problem if you read your Bible because right. go all the way back to Abraham. You know, right. Abra Abraham had many sons. Many sons had father Abraham. You're going all yes. the way back to the Old Testament. Right. Well, he also he also had a son by Hagar, his handmaiden. And mm. there's this question in the Bible. Somebody actually asks him and says, "Oh yeah, it's fine with Israel and all that, and you know the, the lineage that goes off and leads into the twelve tribes. But what what about Hagar and her son?" 
And God himself says, I have plans for this lad. Do not question my plans. I have plans for this lad. He will grow into a great nation. Right. So if you take that literally, there shouldn't really be the kind of bust up between the sort of Jewish Christian side and the Islamic side. The huge bust up shouldn't be there. And no. if you speak if you speak to anybody high up in either of, of those paths, you know, mm -hmm. even the Catholics, if you speak to someone high up in the it Catholics. Was all blended. They all know this, you know, they, they read yeah. scripture, they read the writings, they read the Bible and they, they will understand that it's part of an overall plan. You know, it's God right. acting his plan out. Right. Uh, so, yeah, we, you know, we what have happened to of, us. I know we <laughs> have these strange so divided. It's crazy. These strange political visions of, you know, people yeah, running around blowing each other up. Of what the heck? And, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> wow. that's, you know, so right. al already there we've dropped the bomb. <laughs> Literally. Right. Uh, big that's big how, time. Yeah, big yeah. time. Yeah, this so, is no excuse for the way we're behaving, basically. Go on. Anyway, it's no. Christmas. You know, peace and goodwill to all men. Let's stick with that. <laughs> yeah, it will do that. <laughs> um, okay, so let's go back then to, you know, the Templars find all this stuff. They yep. go to Rome. Yep. Now we're rolling into Da Vinci. Let's pick back up at Da Vinci. Because okay. Da Vinci himself was, like, really fascinating, like, in okay, many you... ways. There's you've a lot not, of things about Da Vinci people don't know. Yeah, you've not gone too far ahead there, actually, um, because um, Leonardo, everybody looks at what Leonardo was doing, and right. they look at him and they think, wow, you know, he's some kind of Elon Musk character. You know, he's he's some amazing savant, mm -hmm. and he's so intelligent. And, you There's know, I mean... For some of that, though. I, I mean, to be honest with you, I think they've got 18 and a half of his notebooks, I think, have survived. Right. But it's known that he had at least 36 Okay, so, so all, where I'm, are the other ones hiding? We have to ask ourselves. What people what was, don't realize is that he he went on a hike and disappeared for two weeks in a cave. And also, and came back, he, he had access. He had access to all the stuff that was left at the end of the Templar era. Yes. So the Templars come to an end in 1314, but of course in this in this country they don't come to an end till 1334. Yeah. They all scatter all over the world. They do this, something, yeah. you know, everyone's like, oh, what happened to the money? What happened to all the relics, you know? Well, what happened to all the libraries? What happened to all the written material, you know, yeah. and the information? A lot of that filtered into the access that da Vinci had in the 1400s, because you're only looking, you know, 100 years later for da Vinci. He had all that material accessible in places like Florence, you know, Vienna, Rome. Mm. You know, it's it's all being pulled into the, the, the main uh, creative centres of, of the civilised world. it was world. dispersed and then eventually started making its way. Well, yeah, yeah it, it gets, I mean, the Templars collected it, Yes. But it doesn't find a home. It doesn't really get deposited anywhere until the generations immediately after the Templars because they right. had no reason to put it anywhere. They just kept it in their own, you know, preceptories. You don't think that they went like overseas with it or different parts of the world? Some of some it, of... yeah. Some of yeah. it did. But you've got to remember yeah. if you imagine the medieval world, we... all of it is covered by the Templars. Yes. And probably a third of it is owned by the Templars. Right. They also basically own the biggest navy the world has ever seen mm -hmm. and the world's first standing army mm -hmm. and the, the, the traveller's check. So they're making a fortune. Right. Every time anybody in the order dies, all their stuff goes to the order. So yes. by the time you're at the beginning of the 1300s, they are a global empire. Right. They're absolutely enormous. So right. the idea that, you know, 
picking a library up and shifting it off to somewhere. That's that's easy for them. Mm-hmm. That, that's nothing difficult. Um, right. So Leonardo gets his hands on some of this amazing and, knowledge. And off, off we go. I mean, Leonardo's, right. you know, he's developing it. He's doing things with it. Um, right. I wrote a book recently, Crystal Skulls and Human Heads, and I had a look at just yes. one of Leonardo's pictures. Um, and it was the Salva- Salvatore Monday. Monday, which is the new one that's just been uh, confirmed. And there we have Jesus, you know, giving the blessing sign of God on planet Earth mm-hmm. and representing Earth. He's holding what initially looks like a crystal ball. But when you actually look at it, it's not. It's, a, an, it's an empty glass ball. And what he's saying is that's all of creation contained inside a ball of silica. Because basically, as we've done, I think we might have covered crystal skulls in a previous one, because everything literally everything contains silica it's quartz silica and pl- the planet earth itself has, has a quartz core yes. and then you start thinking yes. how in tarnation did he possibly know that yes when he painted that picture in whatever it was 1530 something 1536 how, how, how on earth did he know that that's the tip of the iceberg that that's just a few bits of ancient lost knowledge that you know, various crusades, various, you know, interactions between the East and West. That's what had happened in the Renaissance. That's what was brought together. That was all of this information now coming together, taking root, boom, and it's flourishing. You know, it's absolutely mm. flourishing. So Leonardo actually, you know, I'm not trying to put him down. I mean, he's a great guy. Um, oh, I've got to tell you another story in a minute. I mean, he's a fantastic guy and he's just making the best of all of that information, but he's still doing a really good job. You know, he's, he's yes. superhuman. I've got to tell you this. In his yeah, notebooks, in his notebooks, there are 88 drawings. Okay, you're going to find this amusing. There are 88 drawings of people that he met while he was on his travels. Okay, and the experts have gone through his notebooks. They've looked at all these different people. They've gone, oh yeah, that's a Borgia, and this is you know somebody else, and that's a Pope, and that's you know that's his assistant. And 87 of those pictures they've identified. Okay, but the one that they've not been able to identify is an exact illustration of me. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, as I look now. So yeah. uh, everybody's listening, <laughs> go and have a look. Go and find it. <laughs> so, yeah, I, really? yeah, you will find it. You will find it. a perfect illustration, even down to the beard. Everything. I love exactly, it. exactly as I look now. I've got odd eyes. Yeah. Just like an ancient like philosopher or the ancient St. Nicholas. <laughs> Well the, well, the bizarre part of it, and it is. No, I know. I'm just, I'm just playing with you. I know it's, it's actually really well, no, fascinating. The, uh, gen- genetically, my family comes from northern Italy. If you go yes. back about you know, a couple of thousand years, that's where we were. We were in Etruria, trust where the Etruscans are. Mm-hmm. So there's, it's equally possible that one of my ancestors was, you know, gadding about Italy about the same time as Leonardo. So we might even be related to Emilia. I think on what on her mom's side of the family was the Borgias. Yeah, yeah. So who knows? You know, but Hello, it's, just, <laughs> it's just funny, isn't it? It's just yeah. funny. It's always good to keep. It's always good to keep things edgy and keep things current. So that that's there's one for people to go and look out yeah. for. Um, you know, uh, if anybody wants to message me, by the way, I've got a copy of that picture, so I can always I can just email it. To oh, I'd love to see it. Oh, why yeah, we just lose that? It's okay, just right. hilariously funny. There we go. <laughs> So, yeah, I like you say, every so often we just seem to go careering off the rails and who knows where we're going to get. I think, I mean, I'm not a believer of coincidences. I am a believer, however, in synchronicities. And when you say there's this photo like of me, you know, and ancestry, that sort of thing, it's just like, you happen to be in that research. It's just like, the universe has its way of just making you informed of what you're supposed to know. 
Well, you imagine my reaction when I'm thumbing through one of these, you know, um, <laughs> uh, monograms, reproductions of one of his notebooks, and I'm like, hang on a minute, he looks familiar. <laughs> exactly. Wait a minute. Who's this guy? Yeah. That's, that's a moment in history. It sure was. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's yeah. So Da Vinci. Yeah, back to Da Vinci again. He. Okay. Um, in, in a way, he was standing on the shoulders of giants because obviously you've got the 1100s, the 1200s, the 1300s, the 1400s, all of that, which is, you know, 13 or so crusades covering all of those years. Uh, and he's he's coming in as part of the Renaissance, the Enlightenment that's been generated from all of that. Uh, but what a guy. What an amazing guy. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's off to Dan Brown as well for making uh, Da Vinci popular again. Um, well, ab absolutely. And of course, you know, we've got um, Henry Lincoln with Holy Blood, Holy Grail, right? It's an interesting mix. It's um, definitely an interesting I'm, mix. I'm, I'm going to say with, with the Da Vinci Code, Yeah. Um, I think it was Bajant and Lee had written something like the Holy Blood and the Holy Grail was their book. Yeah. Um, and uh, then the Da Vinci Code came out. So Bajant and Lee just took odds at, at this. Henry Lincoln was involved with Bajant as well. Yeah. And they took odds at the book and they basically uh, took Dan Brown to court and said, you've stolen all our material. You, it was pretty rat, bad. you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. uh, so Dan Brown's like, no, I haven't. And I've not stolen it. So anyway, mm -hmm. it went before the judge. There's the judge and he sat there. And what you've got to remember now, this is where it gets really, really funny. You've got one lot of Freemasons suing another Freemason in front of a Freemason. So all three of them know what that, what's going on. They all know what's going on. Right. And what the judge says is, he says, you can't sue each other because both books are fiction. But by this point, Holy Blood and the Holy Grail is number two in the bestseller list. <laughs> yeah. And the Da Vinci Code is number one in the bestseller list. <laughs> so that tells you all you need to know. Tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> but right. bear in mind that there is a legal judgment that both of those books are fiction. So Henry Lincoln included a lot of the material yes. he came up with. Um, things like, um, oh, what's that group now? Um, it's gone out of my head. Oh, Priory of Zion. Oh. Priory of Zion. They only go back. They actually only go back to 1962, 63, when the uh, paper claims to have found a document um, going back to the 1600s. I think he says. Yeah, I'm just going by. You know, well, well the words the priory, and... the words priory, and the word Zion. Yeah. Uh, both of those words are ancient words. Have been used. But the mm. actual guy, Pierre Plantard, that put the, the dossiers together and lodged them in France, he only lodged them in, I think it was 1963 or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, there's nothing, nothing historical prior to the dossiers, nothing. Mm. So, um, you know, it's, uh, you're, it's, you're into it's the realms of loop. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Masonic Temple of Myth. So yeah. again, it's uh, you've got to have a look at the puppet masters for the outcome. Of most well, of that's that. that's a whole show just in itself. That, that hold that thought, yeah. Hold that thought, do, you know. See if we don't get ourselves popped off of YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot we about get that. to Roku. We are getting oh. to Roku, we'll be able to do some yeah. stuff there, but yeah, that is interesting. So, Da Vinci ends up with all of this information, does all of this amazing stuff with it. Mm. Let's face it, he's giving us tidbits, yeah. um, of, of the books that they had. So, it makes you wonder the books that did not surface from the Templars where they ended up going or where they're sitting and what knowledge 
was in there because what what kind of knowledge in your opinion would be enough to literally change an entire order to go into two different directions three quarters into one direction being islam and the other you know quarter going i mean you know gnosticism i i can see because it's a little bit closer to christianity you know, in the mindset, at least a little bit, even though they were far more advanced, in my opinion, you know, with knowledge of the stars yeah. and acknowledgement, yeah. things like that, you know. Um, but, and I mean, and, and, you know, Islam goes back way, way back. That what in your opinion all... would be enough to convert an entire order that had an original plan and an original thought to go to such a big evolution so quickly? Well, the simple answer, the simple answer is just all you've got to do is if something's right and something's wrong, mm -hmm. all you've got to do is prove that the thing that's right is right, right. and the thing that's wrong is wrong. Right. And if you're following the thing that's wrong and then somebody comes along and goes, oh, hang on a minute, I can prove that that's wrong and then gives you enough evidence, right. especially if that evidence doesn't stop. If the evidence <laughs> just keeps coming, you know what I mean? It's like right. one blow, hammer blow after another hammer blow. Then right. it would only make sense then to say, okay, we're going to leave what's wrong and we're going to try and move on to what's right. That's the essential formula, if you like, of Gnosis. Because Gnosis is Gospel of Thomas. It's uh, know that which is before your face and that's mm. which is hidden will become known to you. Right. So that's the that's the principle of Gnosticism. So if you can knock down the stuff that's false and then go for the stuff that's true, and I think that's what happened with mm -hmm. the Templars. They got out into the Middle East and this whole idea of, you know, I mean, well, it's Christmas, isn't it? You know, away in a manger, you know, snow, Bethlehem, little wooden shed, you know, all these animals and three mm -hmm. wise men and all the rest of it. It's complete nonsense. It mm -hmm. was a cave. It was about 60 to 80 degrees. Nobody knows how many wise men there were. You know, you're talking about Bethlehem. Well, if you walk into Bethlehem, it doesn't look like that. The reality hits you like a frying pan in the face, you know, clang. Um, so as soon as these guys get out there and realize what it's really like when the rubber hits the road, you know, and start to meet the, the people that actually live there and, and start putting everything into cu cultural context, it totally mm. changes everything. The idea of walking into a Catholic church in Rome and seeing all that wealth and that power and all these imaginary, because that's what they are, imaginary scenes from the Bible, you know, um, and then, you know, walking down to the front and there's Jesus nailed to a cross and Jesus is the wrong shape. He's the wrong color. He's the wrong person. And the cross is the wrong shape. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, it's not, it's not that shape anyway. It's, it's too up. Sorry, I won't do it that way. It's mm -hmm. too upright. Imagine two uprights. And then they mm -hmm. bring the beam, the Stauros across and drop it on top like that. And what oh, you're looking wow. at, see what you mean? What what, what yeah. you're looking at there, those those two uprights and a cross beam, that's mm -hmm. the Hebrew letter Ket or Kai. It's life. It's the eighth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. That's what he was crucified on. Kai, Ket, life, resurrection. The right. door of the temple is open. You know, right. it's a door. It's basically, it's a door. Right. That's why Jesus said, I am the door. I am the way. Right. The way, the truth, the life, etc." Well, they will have had that explained from the Gospel of John. The Gnostics that were already out there and the people that were already out there, the, 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 the religious authorities, they'll have sat them down and just gone, why are you following some weird concept of a Roman torture implement? You know, because that's what mm -hmm. a cross is. You know, what's that all about? That's nonsense. This mm -hmm. is the, rea the reality. And this is what happens, you know. 
uh, you know, some nice mm. illusion gets murdered by a brutal gang of facts, you know, and right. that's basically what happened. So they, mm -hmm. they then start to change. They begin to convert. Right. You know, Islam's got, Islam's got better medicine. It's got better architecture. It, it's got better weapons, far better weapons, mm -hmm. you know, better, better in, in social structure. It's got so many good things going for it at that time because mm -hmm. it was reaching a peak. When you were coming up to a thousand AD, it was it was reaching a peak. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Saladin was just such an amazing bloke when Richard the Lionheart was out there. You know, that mm -hmm. kind of that tension, that relationship, it just demonstrated how brutal the West was compared to how civilized they already were out there. You know, yes, um, yes. It's the same yes. today. You know, we we have these culture clashes uh, mm -hmm. going on all the time. Things mm -hmm. are very seldom how we imagine that, that they are. Well, so, uh, what doesn't yeah. help is, you know, media, <laughs> mis mis yeah. misconceptions, um, yeah. you know, and I think we, we become as a, as a society, as a, a culture, as a human race, uh, we say I'm an earthling, you know, I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm a member yeah. of, of humanity. Um, but I think the mindset is, is really the biggest opponent yeah, us yeah. as as individuals because okay. we 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 are raised certain ways yeah. we are taught certain things yeah. and but we don't start out that way we start off as these innocent little people with broad minds very gifted being able to 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 see te you know probably you know telepathic something exactly it's exactly the same in the medieval yeah. period it's just the same yeah, the, the, exactly. the medieval european social structure was so different mm. from the middle eastern social structure it's mm -hmm. like you know you go to somewhere like you know iceland or antarctica or greenland and you walk up to an inuit an eskimo and you go oh i'll tell you what, i really fancy an orange and he'll just look at you and he'll just go what the hell's an orange what the right. idea what an orange is right. he's never seen an orange in his life right in fact you might have trouble even convincing him that such a thing exists mm-hmm because he, he's got no idea what a hot climate is, no idea what an orange tree looks like, doesn't even know what the colour orange is, let alone mm -hmm. what the fruit looks like, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what was happening. By the time you think, oh, hang on a minute, that means most of the people on planet Earth have mm -hmm. what's called monocultural myopia. And that is they are only programmed solely, entirely, for the time and place that they're in. And, hmm. and that is a huge hurdle to get over. That is a monstrous hurdle to get over. Mm -hmm. Because whether you like it or not, you are conditioned by where you are. You can't escape it. Mm -hmm. uh, and the same thing, the same thing is also true of the other culture. So, right. you know, the guys in the other culture have got the same problem as well. Um, I mean, I, I went to North Africa and I'm, I'm typical, you know, Englishman in a Bermuda, you know, Bermuda shirt and Bermuda shorts and, and <laughs> flip flops, you know, and I'm wandering around like North Africa. And, you know, I bumped, I bumped into a Bedouin and there he is, you know, blue from head to foot with the turban all wrapped up and all that. Fortunately, he could speak English. I couldn't speak Bedouin. I didn't stand a chance. But we sat down over, a, you know, a cup of mint tea in, in a souk in, in Marrakesh and chatted away and just discovered that actually it's all cultural. All of the differences, everything that made us so different mm -hmm. wasn't actually so different. You know, mm -hmm. we just we're, we're biologically attuned to fit into the environment we're in. Well, you can imagine what would happen if you, you got hold of a medieval nobleman, you know, some dude with a castle down in 
you know, Derbyshire or whatever, just down the road from here. He's got this sucking great big castle and a pile of Saxon servants. And, you mm-hmm. know, it's bleak and it's cold and it's, you know, rains most of the year. Yes. And he gets on a ship and then three years later he gets off the ship and he's in a desert. You right. know, that is, his head must have just exploded. It's like, boom, right. you know, I didn't even know yeah. this place existed. Well, it's, it's culture like, shock. Yeah, it's, like, it's like sending yeah. a man, sending a man to the moon, which yes. I don't think we did. But that's another story altogether. <laughs> show, man. <laughs> I can go for a while. <laughs> yeah. So no, uh, we won't even go there. I just thought I was playing. I'm poking the tiger there. Poke the oh, tiger. I know. I know. Yeah. Which, which actually, I'm, it's not that far out because we were talking about the glass. You know, the glass ball. Yes. In uh, Salvatore Monday. Yes. The glass ball, the actual ball, that's the outer Van Allen belt. So somehow everything inside that ball, that's God's creation. That's what God made. That's planet Earth. Mm-hmm. It's it's sealed in. Do you know what I mean? It's it's yes. uh, That's it. It's a sealed environment. The yeah. idea of us going out, you know, getting out past the glass, Da Vinci must be laughing in his grave because he's like, no, you're not going to be able to do that. It's impossible. And he must have known that when he right. painted the painting. You know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah, yes. it's not that far out after all. So I'll, I'll let no. the penny drop on that one and see I bet your phone lines are going to be buzzing like crazy <laughs> like what? Uh, you can't you can't say that you can't like, possibly claim that i know there you know, a lot of people have their theories flat earth and such you know just right. <laughs> a lot of it out there i mean I, i've got i'm going to be terrible i'm going to be awful i'm sticking to my guns i don't think i don't think mine's a theory i mean the germans came out recently and said if we throw any more rubbish up there we won't be able to get anything through it not even satellites because there's that much debris whizzing around the earth now Yes. You know, you'd be like throwing a tin can through a thousand shotgun blasts. You yes. know, you're not going to be able to get anything out there. And the right. scientists are saying this now. You know, it's just not possible. Wow. Can't do it. Wow, that's crazy. So, yeah. Yeah. Do a night on do a night on moon landings. You know, and did we get to Mars? We'll we'll do that another we day. We can do that one too. <laughs> Oh, we like those kind of shows. Our listeners oh, really yeah. do as well. So, oh, get me in on that one. I'd love that. I've, I've not done okay. one of those uh, we'll yet. Do it. So, yeah, yeah, we'll it's do a it. deal. All it's right, a deal. I like it. Um, okay, so now we've got you know Da Vinci. All this knowledge we're getting into. I, I mean, he's going to be putting some things out there. Things are going to start unfolding. We're going to slowly work our way over to mysteries of the Bible, which there are many. There are indeed many, many, many. many. Uh, where do you want to start? Go on. I oh started the last one. You can start. <laughs> you know what? It's your gig, man. I'm just here, you know, leading uh, the way. That's all. <laughs> so. well, put, it, put it this way, right? I've, I've kicked the can around quite a bit, and I've already told you that the crucifixion, the, the whole image of that is is wrong. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's complete, complete nonsense. Uh, at the end of the day, I mean, being an archaeologist and knowing the part that the threshold yes. plays in prehistory so like your your temples your triumphant arches you know even celtic roundhouses they buried offerings under the door as you went in you know what i mean when you start looking at something as significant as solomon's temple at jerusalem Mm -hmm. then obviously the doorway that separates the holy place from the holy of holies that is the number one biggest door on planet earth you know it's dimensional you're going from our world to god's world you know it's got the flipping ark of the covenant in there you know so it's it's really significant that door with a curtain hanging over it that curtain was about i don't know 30 odd inches thick about um what's that it's quite a lot it's about a couple of feet thick it's anyway i can't yeah. remember where that, oh yeah that um, between it's two thick, and three anyway. feet let's put it that way well anyway by the time that's how thick it is by the time it goes over the top of the pole because obviously it's double thickness right that 
curtain when Christ died on the cross tore from the top, which is the thickest bit, down to the bottom. It literally went boom, all the way down and tore open. And the significance of that is, back to the correct shape of the cross, is that the door, that door, was then open. So if you can kind of, you know, do a Regis of the Lost Art thing and you can imagine God bursting out from the Holy of Holies, like exploding through the curtain. Wow. Um, and that's where you got all these stories in the Bible about, you know, 500 people were resurrected that day in Jerusalem and things like that. It's that power, it's that almighty power bursting out. But that has two very important consequences. When Jesus said, I am literally going to die, you know, and get the door of heaven open so that people can get back in there, he literally did that. That's what he did. That's that's what, all, all. No matter how you look at it, mm -hmm. physically, representationally, archaeologically, whatever. Mm -hmm. No argument with that at all. The door is now blown wide open. Do you know what I mean? Right. Uh, so something it happened. It, yeah, it just, just, yeah, doesn't matter what your religion is. is you know, um, yeah, whatever you believe, the, the, the something blew Shinto that door. Tori gateways <laughs> all the way to the trilithons at Stonehenge. It's yes. a doorway, and you can walk through it, and it's now open. That's right. easy, um, and. Uh, and the second thing means that God does not live in the, in a box anymore. You know, that's right. that's God going by. I'm not, I'm not going to hang around here anymore. Gone. Now that again, back to the subject in hand, that must have popped the Templars' heads, because you know Catholicism tends to lean very heavily. In fact, all churches lead very, lean very heavily to the sense of place. You know, you've got to be inside a building. You've got to be in that holy place. You've got to, you know, the sacred space, the sacredness of buildings, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, that does exist as far as we're concerned. Yes, of course it exists. But it then takes a lower priority mm -hmm. because you don't have to go to St. Peter's in Rome to meet God. Mm -hmm. you, you don't have to go to the temple in Jerusalem to meet God mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, he's out everywhere right. or, or it, it more correctly is out. God is out everywhere, mm -hmm. absolutely everywhere. Right. So you, any every, I'd had a conversation with somebody yesterday about this. You can, you could literally argue, even from a scientific point of view, molecules, light, you know, my microscopy. I nearly said that microscopic. Go go down to the finest detail. Go down to the atoms, the molecules, everything. Mm -hmm. All of it, all of it is God, mm -hmm. because God's out. You know, he's he's not. You, you can't point and go, oh, there's God, that's God, or, you know, that right. statue is, or that building is, or, you know, no matter how you look at it. But it's all within us as well. Well, yeah, this is the other thing as well. Source. Because God's now in all of that, that means yes. all of that is now in God. You can reverse right. the formula. Yeah. So you can say there is, this is not really an excuse now for rejecting that whole thing. You know, you don't have to go biblical or you don't have to go, you know, temple and military sovereign order and all that. You, mm -hmm. you don't have to do that. You don't have to pick a religion or pick a path or pick a whatever, because everything's in God and God's in everything. You can't escape that anyway. The bottom line is, do you acknowledge that or don't you? That, that's, that's the bottom line. Mm -hmm. You know, because at the end of the day, if everybody on planet Earth acknowledged that and was at least making the effort to mm -hmm. do the right thing, instead of going down the, the avenue that takes you to the wrong thing, mm -hmm. imagine what a better place the planet would be. And it, it really is that simple. Mm -hmm. uh, the Bible's an amazing book. I mean, you can read it. It's got tons of stuff in it. It spans 5,000 years plus. It's an incredible book. Mm -hmm. But it was written to tell us that we were wrong. So it's it's a book of failures. It, it basically, you know, all the sins and the laws and the everything that's in it, 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 basically, it just proves how rubbish we are. That's the whole purpose of that book.
Well, I mean, compared to, you know, when you're getting into things like the Old Testament, again, like I haven't read oh, either. Yeah. I've, I've dabbled them, you know, like, I mean, they talk about multiple gods in the Old well, Testament as opposed to singular. So mm -hmm. whereas I think, you know, I, I think in the New Testament, it's more about the Hebrew God, you know, but but to, to talk about multiple gods, even when you say like, you know, you shall worship no other God before me. That's sort of like a hint. <laughs> yeah, what what what's kind of happening there is is yeah. we've got we've got a kind of a, a, a devolving. So you've got to. I, I always say to people, it depends what your perspective is. So yes, we're, we're, back, yes. we're back to monocultural myopia again. Right. It depends on your outlook, because if, for example, the book is talking about God's attitude to us, mm -hmm. then God's attitude is, "Hi guys, there's only me." Right. That's it. Hi, it's just me. That's it. Right. But if we're looking the other way, we're looking towards God. Mm -hmm. What God is saying is um, a little bit too much for you guys. I'm too big for you to understand. Right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to break myself down into little bits. Right. So in the Old Testament, you've got the God of love. You've got the God of justice. You've got mm -hmm. the God of, you know, all these different subdivisions. Mm -hmm. And that's to make it easier for us to try and get our heads around it. Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day that that first commandment's a stinker that number one that says you shall love the lord thy god you know and, and make no image thereof mm -hmm. you know, with all your heart and soul and mind and all that and you end up thinking well, hang on a minute that means i'm i'm screwed i've got no idea <clears throat> what i'm doing here i've got no right. peg to hang my hat on so it depends which way you're looking yeah it's really tough so, eh? that it's a tough, it is a tough again. one because god is bigger than everything we can imagine that's bigger well, you have i mean to I, think like the creator well, I can throw loads of clever words in. I can say omnipotent, omnipresent, you know, mm. uh, omniscient. And mm, all yeah. it means is, you know, all knowing, yeah. all time, all of creation, all of existence. all of yeah. And at which yeah. point your head just goes, hang on a minute, these numbers are too big. You know, I, I can't get a handle on this at all. Mm -hmm. Now, at some point, that probably also happened to the Templars. At some point, I'm convinced it happened to Da Vinci. They must have all got to the point where they hit the wall with it. And anybody that follows Judaism or reads the Bible or, mm -hmm. or truly follows Christianity, mm -hmm. you are going to hit the wall with it. You're going to end up thinking, hang on a minute, this is bigger than me. Well, I you're gobsmacked, really, because yeah. you I, I just can't here. deal with it, you know. Well, exactly. <clears throat> because the transitions happen relatively fast. When Da Vinci disappeared for a couple of weeks, mm. he came back, like, I mean, supercharged with information. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that was fast, you know, in the grand scheme of time. Let's face it, it's like a little, you know, drop drop in the pail there. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean loose, loosely sticking to the biblical stuff, if you go New Testament, you've got, the, yeah. you've got the Apostle Paul. There's this bloke, Saul, you know, who thinks he's doing God a favor by killing all these crazy Christians. And all of a sudden, he's walking down the road and bang. Do you know what I mean? He gets he gets this vision. Yeah. And basically, Jesus grabs him by the ears and gives him a damn good rattling. He goes, no, you're wrong. You've got totally the wrong idea. Yes, you're very sincere, but you're sincerely wrong. And this mm -hmm. is the reason why. And all of a sudden, he then becomes Paul, you know, this disgruntled old rabbi that's ugly and short and mm -hmm. apparently smelled, you know, so he's not a particularly wonderful character. He's not a great representation of Christian right. evangelism, but hey, he but changed the world. Yeah. Boy, yeah, yeah, boy, did he change the world, you know, with what he wrote. Right. But again, it's the same thing. It happens in an instant, you know, mm -hmm. it's the penny drops. Right, you know. right. So, okay, let's get into more mysteries of the Bible. Oh, at... I've got a few. I've just thought of a belter. Hang on. No, let's do it. Let's do it. I like it. I like it. Before I move. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm just building up now. Because I've, I've got to try and put this into English. That's okay. 
this is the one that's the real clincher. Okay. okay. Um, and it's worth looking at. If you started looking at Dan Dan Brown's uh, Bible code, not Dan Brown, uh, Michael Drosnin. If you start looking at Michael Drosnin's Bible code, which is these two books that have come out, one's like Bible code, the other one's more Bible code. Mm-hmm. You've got this idea that you can convert all of the letters that make up the Bible mm-hmm. into numbers. Well, that's easy enough. We can do that. Yeah, we, we get a concept of that. But those two books are basically Sudoku. It's the game Sudoku. What they're doing is they're just randomly stringing all of the letters out in order and then making things out of them. Well, that's not that's not Hebrew numerology. That's not how you do it. Mm. What you do is you start looking at spacings and themes and grammatical uh, considerations inside the Hebrew language. Mm-hmm. At that point, I'm going to start losing your listeners because they're going to start thinking, hang on a minute, I can do Sudoku, I can do crosswords, but I can't cope with, you know, uh, hum- uh, Hebrew numismatics. I'm mm-hmm. not going to be able to cope with this. Okay, cut to the chase. What the Hebrews did in the 1990s, what the, what the Jews did was they got the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, in the original Hebrew minus the vowels because there were no vowels in it. Right. And they thought, we're going to get clever here. We're going to pump this into a computer and we'll see what the computer can find. Because, of course, they had that in the 1990s. So, mm-hmm. or, you know what I mean? They, they chucked it all in. 1993, they chucked it all in or 92 or whatever. There's a newspaper article that I picked up on then in 94, 95. And basically, the title at the top is Computer Proves the Existence of God. No. Because when they took the stuff into the computer, they were aware that there were codes there that used the period of the number seven. It's called septenary design. It was discovered by an agnostic Russian mathematician called Ivan Panin. I'm not doing bad because I'm doing this from memory. Um, so um, it, it was discovered by that. So uh, so they did the same but with a computer. Anyway, they chucked all the information in. 25 books, remember. Uh, and it's only Hebrew. Banged it in. Three and a half years later, it stopped throwing codes out. Okay. Which Why? means Why? that all the numbers... All of them. So from the Hebrew 1 right through to, I think it's Hebrew 27, all of those numbers, plus the multiples, so that's 10, 100, 1,000, so on, all of them are codes. And they all work with all of Hebrew. So when they extended the research, it's not just the five books of the Bible, it's all of the Old Testament. And guess what? There are codes for Greek and for Aramaic. So you can do the same trick to the New Testament. Oh, and Latin as well. You can use the same kind of codes. The same thing happens to all 66 books of the Bible. And the kicker, this is the real kicker, is that when you look at it, when you look at it on the page, you've got to be able to read it. You've got to be able to understand the subject. It's got to be grammatically correct. So what you're doing is you're reading back a perfectly ordinary language. When you put the codes in, there is no other computer or human being alive on planet Earth today that can reproduce one single line of these codes. It cannot be done. So that basically means that the original 
scrolls. So if you go to the Dead Sea Scrolls, you get the scroll of Isaiah. You shove that into a computer. No living human being alive today could have written it. It's impossible. So in one foul swoop there, you know, the, the people like Da Vinci and that, they always said the, the key to the world, the key to God, the key to everything is in mathematics. He was dead right. Yes, I said it. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely dead right. It's all about now, math. Uh, that's the kicker. So when, geometry. Yeah, when people come along to me and they go, oh, prove the existence of God, I just say, septenary design, go and have a look online. Off you go. Because Michael, <laughs> Michael Drosnin's book, right, right, Michael Drosnin's book is the cover-up. That is a very poor attempt to try and backpedal and cover up what you know the, the the jewish fraternity in particular but certainly the academics know that that book is 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 amazing mm -hmm. you know, it's great, if you're into the witchy stuff it's the greatest book of shadows ever written you know right. it's five thousand years of human experience you know but mm -hmm. it's divine experience as well it's the interaction between mm -hmm. us and a being that is far superior to us even the alien fraternity for example they should appreciate that you know there, there must be creatures extraterrestrials beings whatever bigger and better than us well the, i i have no doubt of that i mean some people yeah. will ask you i get asked this question a lot <clears throat> and and i will occasionally ask it you know to people who come on the show people will often say okay we know there's god we know you know there's there's different levels from as per different religious mindsets yeah. um but they want the answer to the creator who, <laughs> yeah who is the creator is a creator also extraterrestrial is a creator just the man outside the matrix like this is something that people are now starting to i find they're, they're questioning it more they have more yeah, questions yeah. about it which tells me in a way that it's, it's a form of evolution and awareness so i'm glad that they're putting it out there and i'm glad that they're yeah. bouncing ideas around about I, it I, I totally agree and the answer yeah. to all of those questions is yes that, that's it. It just it just depends on your viewpoint. So that's just Mark Ollie to everyone who's asking the questions, just trying to mind ninja you all. Yes. Yeah, the, the answer is yes. Yes, and? yes, yes, it's an alien. Yes, it's bigger than us. Yes, right. it's creative. Yes, right. it's, you know, wherever you're at, right. at the end of the day. Had I had this interview, say, in the 1970s, let's say we're back in the 1970s, right. and I was doing this, you know, you'd have angry from Newcastle phoning you up going, well, yeah, I can't possibly say that, you know, God's this and God's that. And, God's that. and everyone was, that's yeah. what it is, you know. <laughs> right. But as you rightly say, as you rightly say, since we've now entered a new millennium, <laughs> there are people out there now who are their higher spirituality, yeah. higher intellectuality, you know, mm -hmm. they are more creative. They're, you know, people are thinking, they're thinking on so much a, a bigger a scale than mm -hmm. they were, say, 50 years ago. So whereas back then, you know, in the 70s and 80s, you could be wrong. You could have completely blown it and gone off down a blind alley and who knows where you would have ended up. Nowadays, it's actually quite difficult to be wrong because a lot of what people are saying is proving to be true. You know, I mean, uh, you take, go all the way back to somebody like Nostradamus. There he is, sat in France in the 1400s. Mm -hmm. And somewhere in his prophecies, he decides to put, do you know what? When we get into the new millennium, they're going to make some amazing discoveries in the field of light. Okay, fast forward. You've got the CERN reactor. We're chucking molecules around. We're blowing mm -hmm. light particles here, there, and everywhere. This, that, and the other. There's possible, um, possibly we could get out into space and break the Van Allen belt if we mm -hmm. can get into 
light travel and faster than light travel. You know, you get, you'll dodge everything if you can go through something that's frozen, that's still. You can just go straight through the middle of it because you're traveling so quickly mm-hmm. and you're traveling at different wavelengths. You know, Tesla talked about wavelengths. Yes. Said yeah. that, you know, if you can fluctuate in different wavelengths, you'll go off the ends of the visible scale, both mm-hmm. ends. You'll mm-hmm. end up in wavelengths that will enable you to do things that, that are unimaginable. When, when, well, we're now, we're past all of that. We're living in the society that now has that knowledge mm-hmm. and we know that that's where we're going. But somewhere beyond even that, that's where God is. Because all of the things I've just described are not only in God, but God is in them. So it's all encompassing. As -hmm. soon as that breaks out, because boy, is that going to break out, that is going to cause a massive amount of connectivity. You're going to end up with people like Da Vinci walking down the street, chatting about all sorts of stuff (laughs) day in, day out. And as a a human race, we're going to move forward. We're going to make that enormous leap. Mm-hmm. I hope I see it in my lifetime. You know, I hope the next 20 or 30 years we'll, we'll see it happen. But certainly by the end of the first century of this new millennium, we're going to see a massive leap forward, enormous leap. I, I it, think it needs to happen. You know, I think we've been put in a pretty awkward position. It's created a lot of division. I'll leave it there. But yeah. I think something that can unify people is is getting just common answer i say a common answer because you sound you make it sound very simplistic on some level that if people just wake themselves up to it but i mean you know, i mean in the background when you break it down it's it's extensive but realistically yeah. like the yeah. one answer like yes like it's yes. all of yes. it yes. You, yes. Just, yes. you just have yes. to put your head there and realize that there's a collective consciousness we're all one we're all a part yeah. he's a part yeah. of us we're a part of him he's a part of this they're a part of that like well, it really it's, it's, is not that complicated no, because if you reverse it, let's say you change the word from yes to no. Yeah. Well, no is um, it's an end. It, it, you're mm-hmm. stopping it right, and right, you're right. not progressing any further. Right. So no is an ending. So what that then breeds is all the problems we've got. It breeds prejudice. People can't be bothered to look into things. People start to hate each other. Everybody's different, so they don't like that, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. If you go down the opposite to that and you go down yes – then in a sense, nothing is wrong Mm -hmm. because what you're doing is you're taking that standpoint that is accepting. You're going, hang on a minute. I'm not just going to reject that. I'm I'm going to consider that. And then, then you become all encompassing. You start then to start pulling all of these bits that are scattered across time and space and society and the planet. You start pulling all these bits together. Um, And that's what some of the big guys, you know, you Elon Musk's, et cetera, you Zuckerberg's, your Gates, all these people, you will not find them doing just one thing. That's mm-hmm. the biggest key to it all. You know, Bill Gates doesn't get up in the morning and go, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to sell bicycles. That's it. I'm not doing anything else. I spend my entire life just doing that. Mm-hmm. No, they don't do that. They get up in the morning and they go, right, what's new? What's next? Mm-hmm. What is the next thing I can say yes to? You know, what what is going to bring in more knowledge, more information, et cetera, et cetera, which in actual fact puts us in the same ballpark the Templars were. You know, the Templars were in that position a thousand years ago because they mm-hmm. had access to things that the rest of Europe didn't have access right. to. They were right. crossing boundaries. They were crossing borders. They were opening doors. They were knocking down barriers. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got the chance to do the same thing again. Mm-hmm. We're in the same position. You know, right. uh, what's the difference between if I said 1123, well, 1123, everybody's in Jerusalem all talking to each other, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's the beginning of what later then becomes the Renaissance and all the rest of it. Right, well, right. what are we doing in 2023? 
we, we should be in the same position now as we were back then. We should be making the same progress. At you least know, I, we, we should be yeah, more advanced at least, in yeah, and, 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 and we're not. And it's, it, it is doable. I mean, I, I make it yeah. sound really simple. And I'm yeah, quite sure right. that there are people out there of a grumpy nature who would pick yeah. a bust up you know, just for the sake of picking a bust up, you know, exactly. uh, pe people will yeah. say, you know, that different religions have killed people of other religions and, you know, but, but what they're actually saying is no, that, that's what that is. That's just no, uh, mm -hmm. you know, speak, speak to the hand. That's, right. that's what they're saying, but that's wrong. You know, there has to come a point. Well, that's what keeps, keeps yeah. the division going. It know, does. And, it and does. It's very unfortunate. Um, all of these, we'll go back to the temple of, of, hmm. Of Solomon for a moment. Um, there's a lot of theories that involved involved the temple, where they believe where we did go through this curtain. We talked about that door, um, yeah. dimensionally speaking, um, yeah. that people, everyday people, could go into this temple, go through this doorway, and literally walk through a stargate, if you will, a power spot that could, you know, make you walk you know, with the angel, so to speak, which I think was a metaphor of, kind you know, was of. it a jump off spot that could take us into another dimension? There is, there is a set of rules that apply. Okay. Um, I mean, we look at it and we go, you know, this whole idea of being holy and not being holy. So, you know, the priests, certain members of the priesthood could go through into the Holy of Holies and only at certain times. And, uh, you know, that doesn't give us, as human beings, it doesn't give us a good impression, really. But all that God's doing is just saying, you know, you have to reach and make the effort from your side, and mm -hmm. I'll reach and I'll make the effort from my side, and we'll kind of meet in the middle. And that's what the Holy of Holies was. It was a meeting place in the middle. Um, it was a place that enabled God to exist in a form that we could communicate with, you know, uh, on, on a a lower uh, resonance, if you like, a lower level. Uh, not everybody could get into the Holy of Holies or the holy place. Most people could only get into the outer courts of the temple. Um, but so many people in the past have had so many experiences that God was not exclusive. You know, mm -hmm. God didn't only park himself between the cherubim and the Holy of Holies. You know, that wasn't the only place where God was. That's just a focus Mm -hmm. If you like, that's where you plug the telephone in to have a conversation. If people remember old phones, you had to plug them in. Well, that's just the point where you plug in um, or mm -hmm. where you plug in your computer or your Internet or whatever. That's that was God's communication point. But there were certain rules. You could just kind of barge in, you know, anytime you wanted. And no, there were certain rules. Um, but that didn't still didn't exclude the fact that God was available elsewhere, you know, mm -hmm. and. But is it, is it God is. so much, or was it was it venturing into, um, again, just a dimensional thing, another place? Well, yeah. You know? I mean, at the end of the day, we're struggling. We're struggling with words. Yeah. Well, a whole no, because I mean, there's power spots all over the world, and the ancient believe that you could and, you could. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and again, we're struggling yeah. with the concept of God. I mean, that yeah. word G-O-D, it's, it's something we've made up. We mm -hmm. think of some old guy that looks a bit like me, sat on a fluffy cloud, you know, <laughs> floating through the heavens, you know. It looks like the, the opening titles to mm -hmm. Monty Python, you know. It's yeah, not yeah. It's not like that at all. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, Y-H-W-H is what he is in Hebrew. It It is in Hebrew. Um, and and it, there's no fixed gender in the Old Testament either. So, you know, at the end of the day, whatever God, Yahweh, YHWH is, mm -hmm. it's both. But yeah. at the same time, 
is neither because it is what it is, if you understand what I mean. Well, we've had to talk so, about your testimony. You also had a wife. So, I don't know. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's all out there. I mean, that's, well, that's, I'm not just I mean, making this stuff up, man. I'm I was going to say, in all, in all fairness, I mean, in all fairness, there's a principle. God yeah. always sticks to the same principles. Yes. And, yeah. you know, there's all these men running around, have been running around for centuries going, hey, it's all about me, you know. It's yeah. all about being manly and, you know, manly procreation and all this kind of thing, you know, dominant male and all that. It's nonsense because nothing that God has ever done right. has he done without going through a woman. So if you well, read the Old Testament, the, the, wisdom the, the is female. Right? Yeah, wisdom wisdom is female and yeah. all things. And he, he literally says that all things, everything was made through wisdom. Right. And then once you get your head around that, you think, well, hang on a minute. Yeah, of course, everything's made through. The earth's female and we come from the earth. Human beings, are given, they give birth through someone who's female. Right. You know, by the time you start working through this, well, of course, of course, female is important. That principle was established right at the beginning. Right. You know, it's it's because God sat there and he's, you know, he's thinking, oh, what shall I do next? I'll tell you what, I'll make a planet. How am I going to make a planet? Well, I'm going to have to give birth to it. <laughs> it's, just, it's that simple because that's how it's done. <laughs> Literally, that's how it's done. So up here yeah. in, his, in, in, in whatever God's brain is, however it works, right. wisdom mm. is female and, and it's giving birth to everything. Right. And you'll find that that's cross-cultural. I mean, that goes right across, you know, everything from mm. Babylonia right the way through to the Celts, you name it. They've all got that as a, as a basic concept right. Right. Uh, because because it's true. You know, mm -hmm. that's, that's physically true. That's how it works. You know, right. you, you're yeah. not going to get very far if you've just got a room full of blokes, you know, right. which actually, <laughs> this, this is really bizarre, okay? You're going to love this because... Uh, the Virgin Mary is not the only one that's self-fertilized. If you actually dropped a load of women, if you had a room full of women and you dropped them on a planet, you could populate the planet because sooner or later, nature, biology would cause one of those ladies to self-fertilize. And it, it happens. It does actually happen. Does it happens. Yeah, yeah. The, the, apparently, I was told this by somebody who was um, a Vatican guy, a Jesuit, and he said, he said, we get two or three reports of a virgin birth every year. Really? Fascinating. Yeah worldwide worldwide yeah, yeah so but still that's um, that's still pretty like that's pretty incredible so biology will find a way you know um right. in fact in fact you know a couple of completely random examples i mean cold-blooded creatures it happens in one of the um uh what do they call it the dinosaur movies the uh, jurassic parks right, where right. one of the dinosaurs that's alone on the island mm -hmm. lays its own eggs well mm -hmm. it's that happens that happens in real life we've got a zoo near us here called chester zoo there was a komodo dragon female komodo dragon gave birth to its own genetic twin crazy just so yeah. female komodo dragon gives birth to another komodo dragon it's never been exposed to another komodo dragon in its life but what? it just thought that it needed to reproduce so it reproduced crazy you yeah. know so it's there you know the mechanism mm. to make that possible is there in nature mm. so uh, yeah virgin birth definitely i'm gonna go i'm gonna go a yes for that no <laughs> for landing on, no for landing on the moon but yes to a virgin birth you know <laughs> yeah oh my word <laughs> okay all right so um let's get back into another biblical mystery which one do you want to okay. talk about what do you want to go to talk about where do we go to um well I'm, I'm, I'm trying i am actually for once i'm trying to try to stay on track so i'm trying to keep it so it's okay. either well, I'll leave you, I'll let you it or, yeah. or templars uh, where would i take it from here um i'll tell you what i'll do 
I'll go Holy Grail because we haven't done this one yet. I like that one. That uh, the reason I'm going to go topic. Holy Grail, I'm I'm going to start now and I'm going to work backwards. So okay. please excuse please excuse me for doing this. I spent 45 years trying to get a book out, as you know, about King Arthur, and I said I'm not going to do that tonight. That's not the subject for tonight. But my publisher is a star because he said, oh, we'll release it next year. We'll do it in February. And I said, well, you're going to miss out on all the Christmas sales. So he said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll put the paper versions of them, the hardback and the paperback. I will get them on Amazon before Christmas. I thought, oh, a bit of a tall order this. He's never going to do it. He had them up. He had them ready to order on Amazon in November. I couldn't wow. believe how fast. And here is. Do, do, do. We can see uh, it. There it right, is. That, that's the hardback copy. There we go. It's, it's a bit of a beast. It's 488 pages, but it's only over 20 quid if you want to order it, and postage is included. So there's the advert. I've got the advert. Now, in here, this is where the link comes in. I actually look at Joseph of Arimathea, and I look at the Holy Grail. Now, the Holy Grail, as I said, that appears in Parsifal, which is one of the, the Arthurian romances, mm -hmm. and it's important because the Templars apparently had it. Now then, I've got in here about 27 different variations of the Grail. So it's worth explaining what that is. Okay, so there's my segue. I've got the advert out of the way and we're into uh, it. No, we'll be able to do it again at the end of the show as well. Okay, so well, the, we'll do that. And we are going to be doing a show specifically on this to anybody yes. who's listening. Yeah, we'll cover the whole of that book in the yeah, new year. So, so we're going to do it in March, actually. We're going to move things I was going to say the official re release date is the 1st of February, so March is great. Absolutely fantastic. Okay. And by that point, you'll have the audio version. You'll have you yeah, know, everything. It'll I be out it. in full. Um, the it. Holy Grail. Right, the Holy Grail actually starts uh, in, like I say, in Arthurian romance as this cup that appears at one of the feasts that Arthur's holding. It, it appears... In, uh, in in Hebrew time, if you like, in the old Jewish calendar, it appears where it's supposed to appear at Passover. So in that story where they're actually, you know, where the grail comes in and they all think, oh, let's go and search for the real one. Well, the one they're using, it's Passover. Now, that links directly then back biblically back to the Last Supper, because the Last Supper, which Jesus kept, that's the Passover. If you want to go a bit further, you want to link that back, you can go all the way back to Abraham, back to Father Abraham again. When Jerusalem was known as Salem, the priest king of Salem came out and broke bread and wine with Abraham. And that's where it starts. So that actually makes it almost, almost prehistoric. Because back in that point in the Old Testament, these guys are still farmers and they're still living in tents. So you're looking wow. at kind of 1,500 to 2,500 BC. That's where it begins, this bread and the wine thing. Once you've got that thread, you can then start hanging your, hanging your different stories on it. So you've got the Arthurian tales. They then go back to their origins with the Templars. The Templars were keenly aware of what the Grail was. And the grail at that point becomes a secret because ordinary people, the ordinary man in the street, did not know what communion was. They didn't do the bread and the wine thing. Mm -hmm. The understanding of that and the keeping of that was kept by monks and people in holy orders. That's where it all went. The first translated readable version of the Bible hadn't even happened yet. So that's why these mysteries then become mysteries and they get brought into something like the Arthurian uh, tales. But but the grail is 
the chalice from the bread and the wine. So right. your, your essential ingredients is the wine, the bread, and the chalice. Now then, then you start getting this grail, sangral. What is sangral. the sang yeah. yeah? What is it? What is this sangral of sangral? Yes. What yeah. is it? Well, it goes back to the root word graal, which is the same word as gruel, and it's a Viking word. So the San Graal is the, capital the, Grail. So if you're looking for the San Graal, then you're looking for the actual cup from the Last Supper. That's what you're looking for. If you take San off and you just call it a Grail, a Grail is actually a stone bowl mm -hmm. in which they made porridge from grain and wine. So there's mm -hmm. your essential ingredients. And that bowl was big enough, substantially enough then, to pass round the crew on a Viking ship and it would keep them alive every day. They would send round the Graal to keep them alive on their journey. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine the Vikings suddenly come into contact with Christianity and they're like, Oh, hang on a minute. Something that's going to keep you alive. That's got bread and wine and it comes in a bowl. It's a Graal. That's what it is. That's how they saw it. Right. So when it, so when it comes to the Normans and you've got the search for the Grail and this and the other Grail is actually Viking. It, right. it comes from that uncomfortable gap where nobody seems to know what's happening. But again, it goes back again. You keep ticking back to the days of Arthur, the grails that Arthur would have been looking for in 500 AD, potentially were those grails, those cups, those bowls, those whatever, that had found their way to different locations as a result of the dispersion during mm -hmm. the Roman period. So one of them came to this country with Joseph of Arimathea. He brought one. He brought wow. a grail with him um, and it's here somewhere and, and Arthur went off and searched for it. Whether or not he found it depends on which legend you read. Okay. So you can go back a bit further again, go back to the days of Jesus and you're back to the last supper. Right. Again, same grail. And then you can go all the way back to Abraham. Same grail. It's the, it's the same thing. And right. that's what it is. It's, it's communion. It's any bowl or any vessel that keeps a company of people Mm -hmm. who are spiritual followers of a certain way, any bowl that keeps them alive, that mm -hmm. provides them sustenance. Once you know that, mm -hmm. that means every church in medieval England had a grail, every single one of them, because mm -hmm. they all had chalices, all of them. That's true. So, so you've just got to differentiate. Are you looking for the grail or are you just looking for a grail? Right. So that, that really confuses people. That, that's what's muddied the waters. It's a specific grail. And again, you have the interpretation because some people tend to look at it as the blood of Christ. What would the blood of Christ be? Would be a child. Exactly. If you're it's following not, Da Vinci. So we're going yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's not the blood of Christ. It's not, it's not the womb of Mary. You know, it's yeah, not, that's yeah. not the grail. You know, yeah. it, it's, to some extent, it's not baptism either. Although right. you can, sometimes you can stretch it that way, but it's not that either. No, mm -hmm. it's specifically the grail. Uh, what's interesting, the book came out, of a Spanish book, actually, in 2016. Right. Um, um, and what the guys had been doing, they'd been over in the Middle East going through the Islamic records. Mm -hmm. So this is what happens when you break down barriers, okay? These guys are like, you know, I'm, we're going to go off. We're going to do medieval studies. We're going to look at the medieval records from Jerusalem that were kept by, by the uh, Islamic yeah. army, by the Turks and the Muslims. So they're going through all these records, and you, this is going to blow you away. They find two shipping receipts. And one of the shipping receipts says, we took the Holy Grail from its safekeeping place in the chapel. We gave it to a couple of, they're referred to as Rumanis. The Rumanis are actually Norman knights. So we gave it to a couple of Norman knights. 
and we sent it as a gift to the King of Spain. So you're like, hang on a minute. That's unbelievable. Well, it's written down. It's in the Arabic. And on the way, just to make the point, on the way, Saladin got wind of it. So Saladin says, can you send me a piece of the grail? Can you take me a little chip in off, off the, the edge of the grail? Because my daughter's ill and I want it for healing. So not only have we got the shipping receipts, we've also got the letters off Saladin. We've got the reply. The piece went all the way to him. He liked it. It worked. So he kept it. So Saladin had a piece of a chipping off, off the cup. So anyway, the cup sails off. It arrives in Spain. And I think it's the, the chalice of San, San Isadora. I think that's the one that this is talking about. And lo and behold, it's got a chip out of the, out of the lip. And the second shipping receipt hmm. says there was a second grail, which the actual the Anglo-Saxons tell you there are two grails when they went to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and that gets shipped to Spain as well. And the shipping receipt tells you that the King of Spain had that. That's another cup. Right. And they're both, they're both still there. It's in the book. You can get the book and read it. So you're thinking, okay, so the stone cup <laughs> that Jesus had at the Last Supper and probably another one as well, two of them, they know exactly where they went. You know, Church of the Holy Sepulchre, then they got raided, then they ended up in this other chapel, then they went back to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, then it went to the other chapel, and then these two Ruminis turn up, or three Ruminis, and it gets shipped off and goes to the King of Spain, and, and they've put all the pieces together. That would never have happened if they'd have not gone to the Arabic records, if they'd have not actually bothered to go and read the Islamic right. records. It would, they would never have known so that. The Stone Grail is in Spain. The, the, from two the of last them. Supper, two of them. Two. Yeah, we're not Our sure which years. one's which. Which, right? We, we don't know. One of them is is the the Sangral, right. and the other one, the other one's just a Graal. But it, it, it's it's impossible to tell so, which is which. What, what about the vessel that took the blood of Christ when from the cross? There's there's that vessel as well that right. they confuse. That's a, that's a bowl. That's that's different. Okay, so that's um, different. Okay. They they've confused it with a there's a glass uh, dish. Roman glass dish okay. that always gets confused as being that, but it's okay. not the glass dish because the glass dish comes from the wrong century. This right. is one of the beauties of the book I've done as an archaeologist. I can look at something and go, hang on a minute, Jesus died in the middle of the first century. That mm-hmm. wasn't made till the middle of the fifth century. Right. Therefore, no it's not right, yeah. you know, no brainer. So right. I do a lot, I do a lot of that in the book and I sort out the, the wood from the trees. But uh, the bowl is an interesting one because it's vanished, it's disappeared. And it was said, the last thing that was said of that bowl is that the Templars had it. So you start looking at some of these grail items like the Spear of Longinus that pierced the side, Crown mm. of Thorns that was on his head, the yes. robe, you know, the yeah. robe. And then you've got uh, various items from the Last Supper. You've mm-hmm. got the bowl that caught the blood. Best one of the lot is Joseph of Arimathea's grail. Is said to be a couple of glass containers, one with the blood of Christ and one with the sweat of Christ. Now, it's possible that he did have those because he was the one responsible for putting Jesus in the tomb. Right. So he could have acquired the blood he and sweat of Christ. It. It's, said, yeah. it's said they're buried with him, and I think he's buried here in, in England, in, in North Wales. Uh, but the kicker is, you can imagine now, imagine now if you found those, uh, you open the tomb, there's Joseph Arathea, there's loads of bits of Latin and whatnot that tell you that it's him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely him, and he's there, you know, and he's clinging on to, you know, these, these two glass containers. The, the big one, the big kicker, is the blood and the sweat of, of Christ contain the DNA of God. You can DNA test both of those. If you can get them. 
if you can find them correct so right. some of these grails are you know they're, they're not as wacky and way out there as people think right but it, but it hinges on that definition of a grail mm -hmm. if it's associated with the crucifixion or it's associated with the last supper then you can use the word grail loosely mm -hmm. but then if it's certain items like specifically a bowl that will feed a multitude then right. that is a sangral that is the grail you're talking about something that's kind of you know a bit more uh, important bit more significant um right. but what, I, what i've just told you now essentially that's some of the information that the temples found out that's what they discovered when they were out there all i'm doing now is sharing with you the information that there's going to be lots of lots of temple scholars running around going oh i wish you'd not said that i know um, it's like shh. <laughs> but it, yeah but it's now it's in print now because the book's out so you know if you want to know this go and buy the book trust me because there's a lot more in there than you think right um you right. know right. And, and it's uh it's a different landscape I'm going to take <laughs> one quick break. I have to do our station and sponsor ID. Otherwise, I'm going to have a brew while you do it. On you oh, go. I love it. <laughs> so you are listening to the Outer Realm Radio with our very special guest, Mark Ollie. It has just been, it's been quite an interview, quite, I say interview. It was kind of like, you know, a hangout session and we're, we're talking about a lot of different things as always, really laid back and informative. Uh, we are having to thank our sponsors who are like amazing and we wouldn't be here without them. So big thank you to Folgers Coffee um, who have been with us from the very beginning of our journey. A lot of people don't know. Here's a little tidbit for you, Mark. Is Folgers Ooh. actually stems from England. The Folgers And they made it over to, um, you know, the Eastern United States, Massachusetts, I believe. They have a little mention in the book Moby Dick because they were indeed whalers. And there's this big, 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 big history behind them. But I thought I would throw that in, little little Folgers uh, history. So thank you to Folgers. Also big thank you to Justin Snicker, uh, Dr. Snick, the sonic surgeon, for his sponsorship and contribution of his time, his voice, his music for our intro and outro. You can check out this award-winning composer's music on any platform, Bandcamp, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, you name it, he's there. So big thank you uh, to him as well. So now we are crunching down to probably about 20 minutes. So okay. where do you want to go next? This Whoa, break? where do we finish? How do we, how do we finish this yeah, one? It's um, all fascinating. <laughs> well, I, I'm just, I just, I was just thinking during the, the short break then that, that the, the interconnectedness Yes. of the subject material okay. is something that the listener really needs to appreciate that you can't um you can't just go hang on a minute that's arthurian so i'm just going to leave that to arthur or right. you can't just come in and go that's just templars so right. i'm only going to read books about templars you know um right. which which then opens up other things like if you're going to study the templars the least you can do is at least have a look at the bible because right. at the end of the day that's what they were doing so right. you can't get inside their heads, you know, um, and, and again, a lot of the tales of Arthur, you know, the religious side of those tales, people did not have access, ready access to a Bible. They mm -hmm. hadn't got a clue what was going on. They right. were only they only had what they were told, you know, at weekends in church. So once you get hold of that idea, you, you've the, the, the opportunity to get into the background of these subjects. Now, Da Vinci Code, you know, Templars, uh, all that sort of thing, the Bible. The mysteries you you can dig now you can dig really deep you know the information's there mm -hmm. and again like i say don't say no say right. yes right. go and see what you can find and you know um 
also you've got to be um i suppose you've got to be watchful and careful um mm -hmm. there are there are bits you can trip over like the bible code where mm -hmm. if you take take the commercial side of that on face value then you would think oh it's it's Sudoku. you know what i mean you know, right, go right. the bible code well it's not that you need to dig until you hit the gold you know get through the rock hit the mm -hmm. gold because mm -hmm. there is a there's a lot in that you know there is a lot in that i mean I, ivan panin the, the the guy that did that that discovered it he, he was an agnostic he didn't even believe in the existence of god he just mm -hmm. noticed that there were things you know divisions of seven because he could read hebrew as well as being right. a mathematician right. and he just he just stumbled on this pattern and he's like oh, hang on a minute this is interesting Mm -hmm. the rest as they say is history well that history a lot of that's available online it's going to have a look online it's there you know mm -hmm. um so mm -hmm. i would encourage people if, if they're if they're struggling with some of the topics or or we're coming in too far from left field right. uh, just go out there and dig into them a little bit more you know don't automatically write something off just because it sounds a bit bonkers go right. and dig it dig it and see what you can find you know right right do you think that there are more mysteries um ready to be unfolded or do you wow. think we've pretty much got them all what do you think hey i don't think we've really <laughs> i don't think we've really started if the truth be known that that sounds so negative but um no i think if you look at all the discoveries that we've made uh, let's let's just imagine post second world war so you're only looking at the last 80 90 years mm -hmm. all the discoveries that we made are, have just just blown our minds you know what i mean mm -hmm. everything supersonic flight you know all this kind of thing we're theorizing about time travel you know you could include space as a subject you know inner space outer space science everything and we've done that in a relatively short period of time now the bit that's gone a bit wrong for the likes of perhaps you and me is that that is science you know, what I've just talked about is science. Mm -hmm. The bit that's been thrown out with the bathwater is the religion and the spirituality. Mm. We need a revolution, something on the same scale as the science revolution. Right. We need that to happen in the realm of spirituality. You know, mm. um, when the two get pushed together, your big wigs like Tesla and Einstein and Hawking and, you know, all of them, they are taking what used to be regarded as religious material, even if they're not religious themselves, mm -hmm. they're taking that material and they're developing it. They're doing something with it. You know, they're pushing yes. it together with other things. Yes. And, and we need to do that. I, th I think very strongly that's the way forward. Uh, if there was a punchline to those talks that I do on Templars and Bible code and Da Vinci code and all that, the punchline is basically that we, we need to, we need to develop, more and look more and I, I don't think we've even started i don't think we've really mm. you know and a lot of the stuff we'd find we wouldn't be discovering things that are new i mm. think we'd be re, we'd be rediscovering things that we'd lost mm -hmm. um which happened when i did crystal tools and human heads for example you know the realization that there were superhuman beings that were just the same as us they're just another species all of a sudden all the things we're struggling with like, you know, how do you put a 300-ton stone block halfway up the platform <laughs> at Baalbek? You know, that, they'd, have done, they'd have done that in the lunch hour, you know, because these guys were super intelligent. Once you start getting that, you begin to think, well, what else did we lose? You know, what else are we missing? What else That's did they one. know? <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's huge. And if they could do it with what they had back then, mm -hmm. then chances are we can do it with what we've got now because we live on the same planet. 
it runs by the same rules and the same regulations. Did you so, say we've been dumbed up so we just can't get our yeah. brain there? Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the key to it right. is what we're not seeing. Right. Which is basically what I'm getting at. And I'm saying we, we need yeah. to we need to see. We need to move into that realm and not be prejudiced and not have mm. you know monocultural myopia. We just need to get in there and get rid of our preconceived ideas and just go, do you know what? The the journey is is more important. We need to get on the road yeah. and, and get this going, you know. Um yeah. I mean, yeah. just as a, again coming in left field. I mean, I, I, it's an interesting story. I started I, many years ago. I, I started watching the X Files, and I think I got as far as something like season two. And then they came, they came on television. So I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll pick up and watch them again. So I started watching them again, and I got as far as season two. And I'm like, oh no, I'm only watching the same episodes all over again. So I stopped. Then I got them on video. I'm like, yes, I've got them now. I, they belong to me. And I only got, as, I only got as far as season six, and the video player broke. So very recently, somebody found me the, the full box set, you know, secondhand, all the way up to season nine, plus both the movies. So I'm like, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch these. <laughs> so I, I started at season six and I'm watching these different episodes and I'm thinking, we've lost this. We've, we've lost the sense of wonder. We've lost the sense of questioning. You know, Chris Carter and the X-Files, you know, he, he didn't care what it was. Spoon bending, Loch Ness Monster, UFOs, you know, the devil. Tackle just put the lot on there. Yeah. And and now, <laughs> now, since since we're out of the 1990s, culturally, that's had an enormous effect. A fantastic effect because it's owned people up. You and I might not even be here had people not realized that these subjects that we do are mm -hmm. as important as that, you know. It's true. So it's again, true. it's it's coming back round. It's in circles. It's going back round to the same thing again. It's it's the it's the um, the necessity of human beings to mm -hmm. really take hold of some of these subjects and tackle them. You know, tackle them head on. Uh, mm -hmm. Don't be scared to you know. Don't dodge away from them. Say yes rather than no. You know, that's, that's you could call the, this talk's going to be called that, isn't it? Say yes yeah. rather than no. But I... <laughs> <laughs> well, you, yeah, you have to qualify what subject. Well, we have to really also um, wonder, it's like, even though we're coming along this evolutionary uh, wheel of wanting to know about things, like I said, the creator question is coming up a lot. So that's just one example. But right. there's also the, the, we're coming around backwards, back to a time where we have to be careful what you say. <sighs> you have to be like the division thing. You don't want well, people to think I'm crazy if I say this, or even though we're in an age of wonderment, like we we yeah. really are coming out of our shells, and people are asking questions. The technology, internet is is sort of you know raising awareness. It's helping people do it in private if they feel better. Yeah. But we are going backwards in a way, also. I think. It goes back to um, <clears throat> I mean, we started on biblical stuff, so here comes yeah. another biblical thing. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, it. It says if you you know if you you'll know the tree by its fruit. Yeah. Um, and the wisdom in that is, well, if, if if the PC brigade sort of dive on and it's, oh, no, no, you can't say those. You, you, you know what that's where that's going because you know what fruit will result from it. Yeah. These people are people who are entrenched in the word no. You know, they're right. well and truly in the no camp. No, you can't say, and I'm not even going to say what I can't say. Otherwise, yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, we'll get we'll get edited thing. off. It's a thing. Yeah. You know, and and thing. again, what they're doing is they're introducing this this enormous stumbling block. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that that potentially could hold us back, could hold us down, it's like a distraction. Even. But this is the key to it. You know, if you say yes, mm -hmm. 
then it genuinely, and I mean this most honestly, genuinely does not matter what you are. Mm. The argument's gone. The the label is not important. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, wherever you go, race, color, creed, whatever. Mm -hmm. If you say yes, then you've effectively diffused that argument, that that whole PC brigade, gone. Mm absolutely gone because mm-hmm. at, the, at the end of the day i mean just it's a value judgment so so people in the past have made value judgments you know back in the medieval times you know there are certain things you couldn't do or you were burnt at the stake you know mm-hmm. there were certain sections of society you couldn't be a part of mm-hmm. or you were grabbed and burnt at the stake you know nobody expects the spanish Inquisition. Right, right. off you go you know um lightly toasted but the same thing's happening now, but it's happening sort of online. It's happening in a computer sense. People yes. are literally being burnt at the stake for their opinions mm-hmm. based on somebody else's judgment. Mm-hmm. It's the same process again. It's creeping so back. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. at the end of the day, mm-hmm. instead of going no, go yes. Go. So somebody walks in through the front door and they've got everything you can imagine going on. They are, you know... LGBTQ plus mm. 27. They've got every color of the rainbow. Uh, they wake up in the morning and change the gender every minute. You know, uh, they've got no idea what's going on in life, but they don't care. You know, it's whatever they are. They're full on 21st century. And you know what? At the end of the day, that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It, none of that matters. It's not important. Mm-hmm. Put yeah. that somewhere else. You love know, and light people, love and light. <laughs> well, it's it's beyond it's beyond even that because at the end yeah. of the day, mm-hmm. you're dealing with a, a being. You're dealing with a spiritual, biological entity. Yes. You know, that's what you're dealing with. And I'm one of those, (laughs) you're one of those, and they're one of those, and the birds that fly overhead are one of those, you know. Yeah, everything, you know. So don't say no, say yes. All of a sudden, the PC brigade, they don't have an argument anymore. It's gone. You know, Mm -hmm. it's division. It's divisive. So uh, the same guys who... I've made a very valid point, you know, Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter. Yes, very, yeah. very valid point. Tremendously valid point. But so do white lives. So do yellow lives. So do red lives. So do, I mean, if aliens come down, so do green lives. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really matter because you, you knock the front off that and you just go lives, that's, lives, yes, lives, it's, it's, alive. It's, we're very really fixated on the physical. If we can't look past the fact that we are a spirit having a human experience. Yeah, nailed. I mean, uh, they say this in all philosophies. They say it's the invisible yes. that, create, that creates the visible. Yes. You know, and, and that's it. That's how it we is. That's how one. the world works. We're I totally. Yeah. We're not all the same. You know, we're not, I'm not looking for everyone to be the we're same all, here. You know, if somebody walks inside. somebody walks in with that, you know, LGBTQ plus 27 or plus 63 or whatever Man. it is now, I will give them a big hug and I will just treat them the same as I do, treat everybody else, every other human exactly. being. Because, you know, who cares if you're a kipper that swims in the ocean or, you know, a crow that swim, you know, flies in the yeah, air, yeah. you know, or the wolf that howls in, in, in the snow at night. It does not matter. The mm-hmm. fact that you're here and that you're alive. Having this experience. You know, you're a part of it. Yeah, you're a part of it. The, in fact, I said this to somebody the other day. The very fact that you exist mm-hmm. has permanently altered time forever. Mm-hmm. Just the simple fact that you're here has completely changed the mm-hmm. entire of existence. It's it's not the same because mm-hmm. you're here and you've made a difference That's just right. by being here, just the mere, mere fact that you exist. And also the mere fact that you exist justifies your existence. Mm-hmm. If you weren't supposed to be here, you wouldn't be here. It's that simple. 
And right. it's it's that kind of basis, it's that kind of foundation, everything we've been talking about in this second bit, yes. that kind of foundation, that's, you know, Da Vinci Code, that's Templars, that's Bible, that's Islam, that's, you name it, anything, mm -hmm. you name it, whatever it is, whatever path you are, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's everything, it's witchcraft, wizardry, Druidism, you name it, it's, it's all of that, that's what underpins it. That's that's what it's the foundation of it all. Mm. Um, and that's where we need to open up and start to look at the bigger picture. You mm -hmm. know, uh, somebody else said many, many years ago that if you took every single human being that has ever lived and will ever live and you were to merge them all together into one being, then only then would you start to get some idea of what God is. Mm -hmm. Because we're all light we're all parts we're all fragments mm -hmm. and nobody has all of it none of us have got all of it it's mm -hmm. impossible we, we can't be all of it but we still have to respect the other bits because the person you're sat next to on, on the train or in the airplane or on the bus or whatever might have a really crucial bit mm -hmm. that you don't have that's right you know and it's only by breaking down the barriers and talking to these people uh, okay. that you suddenly realize that yeah you know we're all parts of a bigger much bigger thing mm -hmm. that's going on whatever you want mm -hmm. to call it gaia earth the planet mm -hmm. you know uh, it's a journey you know, well there's that it's as well yeah, yeah there's that I mean, as well all walks of life i know it's 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 fascinating but, but uh, we, we've really we've really got into it now because we're talking about liter literally the foundational mechanisms of how the planet operates you yes. know, you, you're down to <laughs> You know, the basis for, you know, Crowley's magic, you name it, whatever. I love it. <laughs> you're right down now with foundations. You know, you, you're scraping yeah. at the foundations now. I uh, know. But that's what we do, you and I. <laughs> hey, why not? Why not? I like, you know? I like it. Okay, so gonna... someone's, someone's going to come back in about 100 years' time, you know, on the internet, and they're going to rescue this from some old device, and they're going to go, Wow. Well, that's where it started. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah. Oh, Dude's got yeah. it going on. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. Wow. <laughs> I know. Oh, my gosh. Give me the grail. I need another <laughs> need yeah. a little sip of something. Yeah. Um, well, we're nearing the end of the show, so I would okay. like you to take your book again. I would like you yeah. to promote it. Where can they get it? What do you have coming up? All of that fun stuff. Right. Okay. Here we go. Well, let's start. Start with the easy one. Here we go. You can see it in the light. Uh, that's dead easy. Um, if you want that, go on Amazon. Uh, it's dead simple. Just you know, type my name in. You'll get probably half a dozen or, or so books. That's now one of them. That's that's the key to it all, really. Uh, you don't need the big silly name at the top. Let me just show you the big silly name at the top. It says Polychronicon. You don't need to be able to spell that. You know, mm -hmm. it's you know Merlin, Joseph, and Arthur. And my name, Mark Ollie. Uh, and you'll get to it, you know. It's a very distinctive picture as well. Guess what? You've got Merlin, you've got Joseph, and you've got Arthur. And that's pretty damn close to what they really look like. So uh, it's it's worth dashing out and buying that. So buy that as a Christmas present. Uh, we make more money if you buy the paperbacks, but I'm going to be brutally honest and say this hardback is the best book I've ever seen. So if you're willing to wait a little bit longer, because I think these are coming from Poland and they've got one or two problems out there with Russians running all over the place, you know, next door. Um, so it might take a bit of time to get to you, but it's worth it. So have a crack at trying to get hold of the hardback if you can. That's fab. Uh, what's yes. coming up? Go on. I would say, and <laughs> for those of you guys who are watching this and who are getting the book and are reading it, mm. we're going to, Mark was going to be coming back on. Let me get you a yeah. date because then, you know, you can get some like questions ready that we can get ready please, to please ask. Do, yeah. 
I think it's actually, I thought it was, was it March? No, I think we are in um, April the 5th is when we're actually coming back okay. on to talk about it. That means they've got longer to come up with questions. That's exactly. no excuse. No excuse. Exactly. Exactly. In fact, you can, yeah, dash out, buy the book. It's officially out everywhere on the 1st of Feb. Dash out and buy it and then just come back with the questions. You know, there you go. There you go. I like it gives them time to get it in the mail yeah. and such and yeah. read it. So, and... so every, everything I do <laughs> is on Amazon. So you'll have no trouble at all finding me on Amazon. I like uh, that. Project, project wise, what's, what's going yes. on? Well, the last book before this one I did, Crystal Schools and Human Heads, that's, that's doing marvelously well. That's still everywhere. Right. Um, I'm going to reveal exclusively that in the 1990s, I did a, a documentary which came out ultimately at the end of the day in 2008 on a UFO crash in Britain. It's called Europe's Roswell. And it's 40 years since the crash in January. Mm. So the publishers asked me to try and produce a book on that if I can. So that's exclusive. I'm, I'm in the middle of it now. So that's, that's you Love know, so not even finished yet. I'm still writing it. And the other one that's an exclusive, uh, the last couple of months, some folks might know I've been working with my band because I'm a drummer. I've been working with the band on an album. We're trying to get sort of 14, 15 tracks out as, as an album. The release has been just temporarily held up by problems with the studio, but it looks like it's going to be coming out probably by the end of January next year. So the band's called Copper Worm, C-O-P-P-E-R, W-O-R-M, all one, copper worm. The copper worm is the spiral on a, a still, you know, one of these uh, distilling moonshine yes. things. Yeah, yeah you yeah. guys know all about that. Uh, over spicy. here, people don't. But, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that's also, we're distilling all of that we know as musicians down. We're only a three-piece, but it's already been compared favorably to, to records like Led Zeppelin 1. So it's got something about it. It's, it's, a, it's worth you know chasing so those are the things i'm working on at the moment and i'm going to take a week or so off over christmas um, right. if people people can normally find me on facebook uh, that's my main you know uh, thing mm -hmm. so if you want to get me use messenger go onto facebook you know friend me and all that i'll accept you go onto messenger and you can talk to me but at the moment i've decided i'm, I'm taking a holiday off facebook till january because uh, i've got far too much other stuff to do oh, uh, so so when I come back in January, it's going to be, hey, you know, I'll tell yeah. you what I've done and what's out and going to be a load of stuff coming out then. Uh, so don't, don't worry too much. You know, if, if you can't get me straight away, don't don't worry about it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining me again. It's always so much fun and we have so much information out and I'm just destroying yeah. my, my I was just going to say your stage set's developing because yeah. you've got a chainmail suit next to you there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you know. I'd hate to see you knock all that over. That'd just be a disaster. It can happen. <laughs> it can happen, man. It's been that kind oh, of week. Yeah, <laughs> so, the worst. The worst I get is the cat running across the back. I know we haven't going. seen the cat today. So, hey, so, oh, he's down there. Yeah. on the floor. But, it's his birthday today because it's the solstice. Twenty-first. Oh, he's eleven. He's eleven years old today. How, how fantastic yeah. is that? Happy birthday on the solstice! I love it. <laughs> Well, I hope you have a really great Christmas, you and your family, and you have some much deserved time off. And um, we will regroup, I guess, again in uh, the first quarter of the year. And yeah, totally. And if I have an opening, maybe we'll just squeeze you in a little earlier for that. Oh, uh, well, yeah, you, you know what I'm like. If, if you get any cancellations in, you know, February, March or get whatever. Get the book out a little yeah, earlier. Just give, give us a shout nice. and uh, from me an email. I will, uh, darling. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're very welcome. Have yourself a terrific <laughs> holiday.
yeah, same to you. Happy Christmas, Happy New Year, and the same to all the listeners. And, Thank uh, you. I hope I've not upset too many people. But if I have, if I have, <laughs> tough. Uh, <laughs> yeah. our, our listeners are champions. They're good. They're very open and broad-minded. So just remember, all, always say yes to the good things and no <laughs> to the bad things. Okay. There we go. Be open-minded. There we go. Wise words of wisdom. (laughs) Thank you, Mark. Have yourself a good holiday. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Well, that was fantastic as always. It's just full of information. You never know where it's going to go. So big thank you to Mark Ollie. Always a pleasure. He's just so delightful. Uh, big thank you to Folgers Coffee for sponsoring the show. Big thank you to Justin Snicker, a.k.a. Dr. Snick, uh, for his sponsorship of the show. Whichever platform you guys are listening to, please like us, follow us. Uh, subscribe to us. We appreciate you very much for doing that. It just helps us all grow and uh, stay in contact as well. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you'd like a specific guest on the show or a topic, please just email us at the outer realm contact at gmail.com, the outer realm contact at gmail.com, or find us at the outer realm uh, with Michelle Droshe and Pisano on Facebook and just click the email button. And that will come right to us. Uh, tomorrow night is going to be a lot of fun um, because we have sort of a roundtable, you know, Christmas talk, ancient folklore and ancient traditions, things like that. And my guest co-host will be Joe Montaldo as Amelia will be off the air uh, for you know, for a family thing going on. That's up to her to talk about. And I'm sure she will on her social media for all who follow. Um, But Joe will be kicking in and uh, it was going to be a lot of fun. It'll be a little bit like a little bit of the gray zone show that we do. So always a lot of fun. Uh, Tomorrow night, don't forget before we come on uh, from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern is a new show called Spirit Quest with, uh, well, it's actually Spirit Quest, A Journey of Life with Paul Francis. So he's going to be on and it's getting really great reviews. People are really enjoying it. So again, just go and check him out. So we'll see you all tomorrow night.